0: So it's just a matter of her choosing to stay in the room when Steve is about to undergo the serum.
1: Oh, oh, hold on. Do you remember in the first episode of Loki, everyone caught it that there was someone who looked like Peggy? Correct. What if this was her Nexus event that they caught and now in the multiverse it doesn't matter anymore?
0: Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Stop (laughs) it. Welcome to the Marvelous Madam's Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris.
1: And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel.
0: Madam's Assemble.
1: Chris, my dear, I have to tell you something.
0: I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. I
1: am in love.
0: Uh Uh-huh. I had a feeling you might be. Yeah. Captain
1: Carter is just so absolutely wonderful.
0: If you had said dreamy, I was going to have to come over there somehow and, and throw a bucket of cold water on you. Well, not dreamy, but she is fucking hot. She's pretty awesome. Yes, she is. I thoroughly enjoyed this animated episode in a way I did not anticipate. (sighs) Me too. Yes, of course, we are talking today about the first episode of What If, the new anthology series. I like saying that. It makes me feel smart.
1: (laughs) Didn't I have to explain to you what anthology meant?
0: You know, no one needs to know that part. (laughs) You could have just let me have it.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm feeling a bit dreamy right now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so this was a reimagining of Captain America, the first Avenger, with Peggy taking the serum instead of Steve.
1: Yes, and I feel cheated.
0: I know what you mean. I, I want to see this on the big screen in, in live action.
1: Yeah, Hattie Atwell would have kicked some serious ass.
0: I agree. Yeah, she nailed it as I expected she would. The animation was great. It
1: was. It was fantastic. So the animation is actually 3D, but it's done in a 2D style.
0: Yeah, I don't really understand what that means. I just know it looked
1: cool. We lose a dimension even though we have a dimension. Not that that
0: helps. I was going to say, it's funny you think (laughs) that that could potentially help me. The woman who yesterday (laughs) had to watch a YouTube video to figure out how to start her husband's car. I... I sometimes really am ashamed. (laughs) Yeah, the animation was incredible. And Peggy looked great, but they really especially nailed, I think, the likenesses for uh, Dum Dum Dugan and Hawkeye at the tail end. Yeah, they
1: did a fantastic job trying to recreate these actors and their faces really well. Everyone was instantly recognizable except for
0: Bucky. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure why. Yeah, I don't know why
1: either, but I do appreciate that they did manage to give him that five o'clock shadow. <laughs> at all times, you know? Yes. But yeah, and even the fact that, so if you take the fact that we know Bucky and who's so tortured and sad, and then we have this Bucky who is, you know, fun and jokey and stuff, which is understandable because he hasn't gone through all the shit that he has as the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And then because his face looks so different in the animation, I had trouble gelling with that.
0: Yeah, it was a little jarring. I did appreciate all his jokes. They were very era appropriate. And Mm -hmm. it's a nice way to kind of flesh Bucky out before Hydra got to him because we didn't really know that Bucky very well at all. We didn't get much time with him.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I'm sure... Sebastian Stan must have been happy to explore that side of Bucky.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he had a lot of fun with that writing.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
0: <laughs> you know, and I was thinking too for him as a guy who went to college in Jersey when he said, who ordered the calamari? You know, that was, <laughs> I appreciated it.
1: But I really did appreciate the fact that he tells Peggy, you almost ripped my arm off. Like, dude, you have
0: no (laughs) idea. Be thanking your lucky fucking stars, Sergeant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and uh speaking of uh Peggy once again, if this wasn't Disney, I mean she could have been ripping heads off left and right. Jesus.
1: Yeah, this was kind of pushing the envelope for Marvel.
0: Yeah, in the best way. You know why? You know why in the best way, Amy? Why? Because we're back in a time period where it's actually not only okay but encouraged to attack and defeat Nazis. How refreshing. Yes,
1: I do appreciate that. And that montage we have of uh punching all these Nazis with that music and the anim- and the comic style animation amazing, fantastic.
0: Yeah, that big band music really made a difference.
1: Yeah. And I also like the, the animation style that they went for. If you notice that the sets, you know, the backgrounds, had a sort of hand-drawn feel to it, mm-hmm. like they were painted on canvas and then the characters were more flat, which is normal for hand-drawn animation. If you look at the 1940s and 50s kind of animation style, you will notice that there's tremendous amount of detail in the background And then when it comes to the actual characters and stuff that needs to move, that tends to be more flat to make it easier for the animators.
0: Yeah. And as far as all the voice work went, I was so happy to have Dominic Cooper back, even for a little while. He nailed it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he did.
0: And we spent more time in the first Avenger with Howard than we did Bucky And I had always wanted to spend a little more time with that young Howard Stark. So this was a nice treat.
1: Yeah, true. And we get to see him be more jokey, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that later. I really appreciate what head writer A.C. Bradley here did with his character. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, as a huge uh, West Wing nerd, when I saw Bradley Whitford's name in the credits, I squeaked. You know, he
1: actually was in the Agent Carter one shot. He was playing Agent Flynn over there and he seems to have gotten a bit of a promotion.
0: Yes, my love for Bradley Whitford is eternal, even if he's playing an asshole.
1: <laughs> and what an asshole he is.
0: I would have been a proud member of com back in the day. Anyway, my fellow uh, West Wingers will understand that reference. <laughs> I was actually wondering why we didn't
1: get uh, Colonel Phillips or Tommy Lee Jones back. And then I realized that in all that action that happened in the first half, he gets shot. And that's why we get Colonel Flynn.
0: Yeah. Colonel Flynn also works better for the story, I think, in terms of Peggy's mm-hmm. arc. Uh, I think Tommy Lee Jones's character would have treated her differently if this had happened. Oh yeah, he
1: had a certain amount of respect for her.
0: Yes. And also, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is just busy counting his money somewhere. He's pretty old. <laughs> yeah, true. Which is
1: why voice work would be perfect, right?
0: That is true. But I'm I'm glad they went with Flynn.
1: Yeah. He's the kind of person you would love to punch. And he was kind of asking for it at one point.
0: Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Talk about an understatement. But... <laughs> All right, so and why don't you give us just a little synopsis of this already sardine-packed movie, essentially, in 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, so this episode was, like Chris said, completely chock full. And we are going to do a brief synopsis. And after that, we're going to go into the deeper themes of the episode rather than go through it bit by bit, because there's a lot of action. Yes. So we start with a voiceover and the watcher played by Jeffrey Wright. He gives us a brief recap of Captain America, the first Avenger and tells us that Steve Rogers became Cap and blah, blah, blah. But there was one key moment where if Peggy would have made a decision to stay in the room as opposed to going into the viewing chamber, things could have gone very, very differently.
0: Now, Jeffrey Wright, he is on Westworld, yes?
1: Yes, he is on Westworld and a lot of other stuff, but he's absolutely fantastic on Westworld.
0: Okay, just making sure I had the right guy. I think he also played uh, Felix Leiter in Casino Royale. Probably. So while everyone
1: is waiting for the experiment to happen, a Hydra operative detonates a bomb, but Peggy is the one who manages to catch him. And in the process, Steve gets shot. And because of that... The entire experiment is in jeopardy, and Peggy volunteers in the heat of the moment and decides to get injected with super soda serum.
0: Yeah, about that. Yeah, Steve shouldn't have survived that, but all right, we'll let it go.
1: We can't kill Steve. Come I on. Know.
0: I know, but he got shot like twice in the chest. I'm just saying. Let's just say it was,
1: it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Okay, fine. we needed yes. the stomper. It's yes. fine. Okay? I, agree. I, agree. I agree. Shush. I agree. Shush shush (laughs) so Colonel Flynn is not happy about it but Howard Stark goes ahead with the experiment anyways and we get Captain Carter so Peggy is not taken seriously initially at all, Colonel Flynn is an asshole, he was an asshole in the Agent Carter one shot and he is still an asshole now
0: Hmm. but
1: Howard and Peggy are interested in The Tesseract because Red Skull is interested in it and they want to intercept and get it in their position so that you know bad things don't happen.
0: Oh Tessie Tessie. Tessie Tessie, the trouble you cause, Tessie. Yes, indeed.
1: So we have an awesome fight sequence with Nazis being punched and knees being broken, and we get the Tesseract. I must say. I love the three-point landing that Peggy does. Yes. The superhero landing is a staple and I just love it. So the Tesseract is in the US Army's custody where Howard is using it for something, which we will see a bit later. Uh Uh-huh. In the meantime, Peggy heads out to save Bucky because as in the Captain America movie, Bucky was captured. This time, thankfully, he was not experimented on because Arnim Zola was already in the SSR custody.
0: I was glad Toby Jones came back too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Peggy smashes open the door, gets Bucky and the Howling Commandos out, and then we get Iron Man.
0: Yeah, can we all agree at this point that in the case of Tony and Howard... It's not that the apple didn't fall far from the tree. It's it didn't fall at all. The apple is still on the tree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so this Hydra Stomper is very reminiscent of the original Iron Man Mark One that we see in the first Iron Man movie when Tony escapes from the cave. Yes. And it's important to note that the hydrostomper is powered by the Tesseract. I kind of missed that in the first viewing.
0: Oh, I missed that entirely. Thank you. (laughs) This is why she's doing the synopsis, people. Yeah, I have watched this
1: episode three times to get this all right, because it's just breakneck speed.
0: Wow, this is the first time you've watched something more than I have.
1: I know, right? And there's a very, very specific reason I did that.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I should be impressed or concerned. <laughs> then again, then again, I don't have a leg to stand on if anyone wants to see my Disney Plus history. So <laughs> you may continue.
1: So Peggy and Steve are having some downtime and they're enjoying a drink. And I do enjoy a good whiskey myself.
0: Well, Steve is enjoying it, but Peggy's just sipping a liquid, basically.
1: Yeah, I thought you know, this is the tragedy. <laughs> I said this in the previous ep- in one of our previous episodes that Steve can't get drunk and now Peggy can't get drunk, especially with all the misogynistic nonsense going on with her. I really, really feel for her. Yeah. No super serum is worth that. So they're having a drink, they're having a bit of a moment, and they're close to kissing, and well, Howard and Bucky are kind of cock blocking them. <laughs> I do like Howard's reaction after that. Oh, just pretend I'm not there. We know you have your kinks, Mr. Stark.
0: Yes. Oh, yes. God knows what he did with Hedy Lamar.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Some things are best left to the imagination. So these guys uh, end up at a very familiar cliff where a train is passing by and they need to get onto the train. Hmm. So Steve tries to stop the train and... Peggy and the Howling Commandos jump on it, as we've seen happen before. This time, Bucky almost falls. Peggy catches him and saves his ass. Yeah, uh,
0: uh, 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 no, no, uh, I got him, got him, got him, everybody.
1: It's okay. And Steve gets into the train and realizes it's a trap. Huge explosion, avalanche, and Steve is presumed dead.
0: Yes, and the Hydra stomper, which is what really Colonel Flynn really cares about is presumed destroyed.
1: Yes. Not five seconds ago, he was talking to the president and saying how Peggy was a knockout.
0: Mm -hmm. His kind will say whatever it takes to get the credit for something.
1: True. So the team decides to go to Castle De Crack in the Black Forest to take out the Red Skull and get rid of the Hydra threat once and for all.
0: You know, I read that in your notes yesterday and it just made me want cake.
1: huh cake
0: maybe i'll bake a
1: cake this weekend
0: rub it in thanks
1: <laughs> so the train explosion was basically a setup not for peggy but for the hydrostomper so that they could get the tesseract and the red skull has taken the tesseract and he's put it into this uh, thingamajig to open a portal to bring out this authentically squiddy thing
0: yeah this was a surprise
1: yeah it was so this was actually inspired from the opening sequence in guardians of the galaxy volume 2
0: i love that sequence
1: yeah it's called the abelisk and there's also another creature in the marvel comics called the shuma gorath that is similar in nature
0: it makes me think about harry potter too the obelisk? Yeah. He... Didn't Harry use, like, a fang from an obelisk to destroy um Tom Riddle's journal in... Uh, the
1: fourth one?
0: Goblet of Fire? No.
1: Maybe, maybe. I don't remember. It's been a good decade or so since I've read Harry Potter.
0: Nerd digression. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so...
1: Howard and Peggy are able to get into this room and see this monstrous thing. And before Red Skull is able to do his villainous monologue, he gets crushed. Yeah, that was very satisfying. It kind of was, yes. Although I do miss Hugo Weaving and his, you know, gravitas. But I know this wasn't Hugo
0: Weaving. This was the same guy who did Red Skull in Endgame. Ross went,
1: Yeah, and he does a fantastic job. You wouldn't know unless you were really listening for it.
0: Yeah. I felt it was very satisfying that he was killed by his own creation. Very allegorical, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, true. So Peggy is fighting this beast. In the meantime, we come to Bucky and the Howling Commanders, who find the Hydro Stomper in the, you know, t And they also find Steve who seems to be injured. Maybe, maybe not, but he's at least alive. So that's a good thing. And, you know, they don't have all day. (laughs) (laughs) So Steve is able to get back into the Hydra Stomper and he shows up to try and help Peggy. Blipply blob, fighting, fighting. Eventually, Peggy realizes that the only way for them to get rid of this threat and to close the portal was for her to push it back in. And she pushes herself through into the portal. Fast forward to 2012, presumably, Mm -hmm. just before the Avengers. And the portal opens up and Peggy jumps out ready for action. And holy God, my knees were weak.
0: (laughs) I gotta say, that's better than spending 70 years in ice.
1: True, yes. I only wonder how long it was for her in that time.
0: I'm thinking it was just a blip, kind of like Janet Van Dyne in the Quantum Realm.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Where it was like no time at all for her. Because why would it be, you know? Didn't she get older? She did, yes. But like, remember what Scott said too when he came back? He was like, it felt like no time at all.
1: Right. Yeah. Like time has no meaning in that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. And Nick Fury is there along with Hawkeye. Hawkeye thankfully recognizes her and tells Fury that this is Captain Carter.
0: I'm sure Fury also would have figured that out pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, but his plan at the moment was to neutralize the threat. Hence, ma'am, could you please put the sword down? (laughs) Funnily enough, that's the same thing he tells Loki.
0: Sir, put down the spear. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yes. (laughs) But he doesn't give Peggy much time to acclimatize like he did with Steve, and he essentially tells her it's been 70 years.
0: Well, the difference is, I think, with Steve, they already had him contained. They already had him or thought they had him neutralized. You know what I mean? They had him in a controlled setting already.
1: Mm -hmm. And he was unconscious, so they had time to play with it.
0: Right. Yeah, Fury just had to put it out there. There was no other option.
1: Yeah, and, you know, having captain carter standing there with a shield and sword you kind of weigh your options and and decide truth is the best way to go
0: yeah and also keeping in mind those two don't have any powers
1: yeah yeah i mean well hawkeye can shoot at her if he wants to he can fail but he can try
0: (laughs) he will fail (laughs) no question
1: (laughs) yes the hawkeye show is coming up next we know we love you What's
0: his name? Really? Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's been 10 years since the man's been in the MCU. Jeremy Renner. No, 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 I'm talking about Hawkeye's name. Clint Barton. That's no better. Clint, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I have a problem, okay? I'm sorry. 10 (laughs) years.
1: 10 years, but, you know, things have been spread out. Uh Uh-huh. I am quite capable of forgetting my spouse's name, so don't get snippy with me.
0: You don't have a spouse. What are you talking about?
1: I'm quite capable of forgetting.
0: Should I have one? Ever. <laughs> which is probably why I don't have one. That's a conversation for a different podcast.
1: Uh huh. And on that note, that's the end of the episode because clearly that's all I remember. Captain Carter
0: yes yeah, so what if is taking us back now to the foundations of the mcu if you guys want to travel back to with some more marvel commentary check out the east coast avengers hey guys my name is jt what's up everyone i'm darren hey what's up guys i'm josh hey guys i'm christian
1: hey what's up y'all this is dominic and we're the east coast avengers
0: we're a group of five friends who get together weekly and talk about everything that's going on in the nerd universe
1: Whether you're a fan of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, video games, comics, or anything else nerdy that you can think of, we're the
0: podcast for you. You can find us on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever streaming platform you use to listen to your favorite podcasts on. You can also catch us on our YouTube channel, where we release tons of content, such as vlogs, unboxings, TV and movie recaps, and trailer reactions. So if those things sound good to you, then check out the East Coast Avengers podcast. We hope you enjoy. All right. So as we alluded to earlier, this episode, despite being animated, despite being chock full of action, there's a lot of deep stuff in here, especially for us ladies. hmm. And first and foremost, I think everybody needs to understand that this episode had to be written by a woman.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The subtleties involved in this, you know, it's a woman.
0: Yes. Yes. And uh, despite sharing a name with our uh, beloved Bayside High alumnus, A.C. Bradley is a woman, everybody. (laughs) A man. And I want to make this very clear, particularly a white man. We do not want to discount these struggles that men of color have endured in the U.S. For women, it's not that it's any worse, it's not that it's any better, it's a different experience. Yeah. So in particular, white men cannot understand the struggles of women at any time in history. White men are the only people who can fuck around with time machines. Okay.
1: (laughs) Hey, Dr. Who is a white woman right now. Right now being the key word.
0: Well, she's got magical powers that she can rely upon. That is true. And you're so right. There are so many little Language choices and, you know, writing choices throughout this episode that really make it a different watch for men and women. So, the first thing I want to talk about here, to borrow a phrase from the TVA, I'm going to call Peggy's choice here her Nexus event. Which makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So, it's just a matter of her choosing to stay in the room when Steve is about to undergo the serum.
1: Oh, oh, hold on. Do you remember in the first episode of Loki, everyone caught it that there was someone who looked like Peggy? Correct. What if this was her Nexus event that they caught and now Stop. in the multiverse Stop it doesn't it. matter anymore?
0: Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I'm going to murder you. You can't say that and then not expect me to say that. And now I can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Exactly. It's all over, just splattered all over my desk. God damn it. (laughs) I'm gonna have to unpack that later.
1: Uh Uh-huh. That's a whole nother podcast episode.
0: It is in itself. I'm not entertaining that right now. (laughs) That phrase of being in the room, it is so symbolic because that's what it all comes down to in terms of representation, is being in the room when decisions are being made.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if you are in the room, to actually have the opportunity to be heard. Yes. You know, and not just disregarded.
0: And just like in Captain America, the first Avenger, she's also the only woman in the room. Yeah. And this moment, it's a message, you know, it shows what can happen when a woman stands up for herself and her right to literally exist.
1: Yeah this also brings up a lot about what we discussed in the finale for Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In that case obviously it's it was on a more global scale and, and that was affecting men, women of all races and colors and everything. But it's the same sentiment, you know, the people who are in charge who're making the decisions don't know the ground realities.
0: Very true. And it's also this idea of how one act of this like self-determination, just standing up for yourself once can create a domino effect of change. And it may not be easy. It certainly isn't for Peggy moving forward, Mm -hmm. but it is progress.
1: Yeah, it is. And if you think about it overall, Peggy was a lot more assertive in this episode compared to Steve in Captain America, the First Avenger.
0: Yes, I think you're right. Like He
1: had to put his foot down a lot less in order to get the respect he deserved as compared to how much Peggy had to fight to get the respect she deserved in this episode.
0: So Peggy, hero that she is, hero that she's always been, steps in after Steve is injured. And this was such a glaring difference for me. Do you fully remember Steve's transformation scene in the first Avenger? Yeah, it was pretty brutal. Uh-huh. Like, he was really...
1: He was in a lot of pain. He was shouting.
0: He sure was. Whereas Peggy doesn't make a peep. hmm And that's because she can't. She cannot afford, as a woman, to show any weakness in this moment.
1: Yeah, because if she does, it'll be held against her for the rest of her career
0: yeah and this is something that Cece ice touched on when we spoke with her in our interview uh last week if you haven't listened she is elizabeth olsen's stunt double and she's absolutely amazing and she talked about this within the stunt world of how women have to prove themselves twice over that they're even tougher potentially than men to just be taken seriously
1: yeah and that not only goes for stunts, but that goes for any field, especially male-dominated fields like the STEM careers, you know? Mm-hmm. I remember seeing this one post on social media where there was a picture of a very beautiful woman. She was a model, and below that was written that she's, actu- she's actually a programmer. And one of the comments said, oh, she probably knows how to write hello world. So for those who are not aware of programming in general, how to write Hello World in whatever programming language is, is one of the first things you ever learn. It's like the ABCs of programming. So basically the fellow was saying, oh, she probably just not knows how to write Hello World in how many other languages she knows. So this woman actually replied back to him and and gave him her qualifications. Uh, And she was one of the most prolific writers on Stack Overflow and helped out tons of people in various programming languages. And Stack Overflow is a a website where where programmers go to other programmers for help. And it's that kind of attitude like, oh, she's a hot chick. She's probably brainless, you know, is what this whole thing reminds me of.
0: Yeah, and this happens in every industry. I mean, when Penny Marshall was directing A League of Their Own, which is one of my all-time favorite movies back in the 90s, men spread a rumor that her brother, Gary Marshall, who's always also a big-time producer and director, was actually like over her shoulder the entire time telling her how to make the damn movie.
1: hmm right.
0: And I think this scene also shows something else that women have known for a long time is that quite often we are stronger than men when it comes to tolerating physical pain and discomfort and ladies i'm talking to you those of you who are married to a man who's ever had a cold you know what i'm talking about
1: (laughs) yeah that's true i actually saw a buzzfeed video where they did this experiment and they tried to simulate period cramps And a lot of these guys were told to wear this apparatus. It kind of looked like a heart monitoring system and told them to basically just wear that for a minute. And they did. And within like five seconds, they were curled up in balls, you know, on the floor. Like, I can't deal with this. And then just to prove that this isn't like, you know, that they're trying to make it really hard for the men to prove that women are stronger. They put the same apparatus on women and told them to wear it, and a lot of them were like, "This is not even a high. This is not even big deal. This is baby cramps."
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, my husband complained that his wrist hurt when he was doing a push-up. I said, "That's nice. I feel like someone has been shoving a, a knitting needle into my back for the last four hours. Would you like to keep going?"
1: <laughs> That's not to say people don't feel pain,
0: you know? right right but heh, generally speaking men have no idea then and i
1: think also women don't complain as much about it they just grit and just bear it you know because we have to exactly because if we do complain about it we're considered weak
0: right considered weak or making excuses for something or looking for attention the double standards just abound all over the place yeah and here's another great little subtlety of this episode where where much like steve in the first avenger peggy is frustrated with her role now that she's a super soldier she doesn't want to just be a face she wants to be out there actually making a difference and helping the war effort mm-hmm. and steve tells her well you know it could be worse you could be out on a uso tour being forced to smile 10 times a day hmm yeah mm-hmm.
1: There's a reason why there's a thing called resting bitch face.
0: Yeah, a woman doesn't need to be put on a USO tour to be forced to smile. Mm -hmm. When I was little, in elementary school, I had a lot of issues. I was a people-pleasing kid, so I ended up being quite the teacher's pet. And because of that, I was sent off on a lot of errands. You know, teachers send you for this, send you for that. So I was in the hallways on a fairly regular basis, and all the time, teachers or staff that didn't even know me would stop me in the hallway are you okay is something wrong are you upset just because i wasn't smiling i was perfectly fine it was just my face i was just taking something from my teacher to the office but they just couldn't handle the idea of a little girl not smiling mhm and it never failed to make me feel like shit because i didn't understand What the problem was. Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with my face? You know, what is an eight-year-old supposed to make of that? Yeah, that's true. And
1: also if you're not like happy and bubbly at all times, it's like something is seriously wrong.
0: Yeah. And there would be strangers too, just out in the world. Strange men. And when I say strange, I don't necessarily mean creeps. I just mean mean men who were strangers to me telling me Mm -hmm. to smile telling me to buck up for no reason unsolicited yeah yeah and beyond that this episode doesn't even have time and this is no criticism of the writing in any way there's just not enough time i think if we were to get more to the story it might come into play but peggy is now in a situation where she will be looked down upon by other women for looking masculine
1: that's true yes
0: And, you know, that hit me, too, because as a kid, I was constantly being told to act like a lady, sit like a lady, do this like a lady. I'm going to send you to finishing school to make you a lady. And the important thing to note there is that it wasn't men saying that to me. It was my mother and it was my grandmother. Women are often just as guilty of oppressing other women.
1: Yeah, I have the same experience, too, of not being ladylike. One of the things that I that was drilled into me very early on was that girls should be seen, not heard. And I took that to heart. I am generally a very quiet person. And as I grew up, I started being told that I am very intimidating because, again, I'm not the kind of person to smile and be happy and jolly and, you know, be a dancing monkey, basically for people.
0: Yeah, I got the same thing. Yeah. And that
1: I wasn't approachable. And maybe it's just the way I look and it's a combination of my voice. I don't know. But that's the case.
0: Yeah. And it just lead it it leads young girls to have a sense of wrongness about themselves and and a sense of inadequacy. And that's the kind of shit that leads not only to self-esteem issues, but really toxic people pleasing behaviors
1: yeah and at that if you're not straight that's yeah. a whole nother
0: kind of worms it can be challenging yeah and that can be projected upon you too because my grandmother was absolutely convinced that i was a lesbian just because i played baseball it, it was to the point <laughs> like seriously it was to the point where she was perfectly happy that I had a boyfriend. Didn't matter that he was abusive, that he was an asshole, but just that I had a boyfriend. So it showed that I was straight.
1: Yeah. So in my case, I wasn't allowed to talk to boys at all. So there wasn't a question of having a boyfriend at all, because if I did, I'd probably be murdered. Good thing I'm not straight. (laughs) (laughs) So that wasn't really a concern. That was the idea over here was basically, I should not have a sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I remember having a conversation with my mom once and I am a pretty ambitious person. I like in any business or anything that I do, I want to do the best and I want to be successful. And I was trying to have a conversation with her about how I want my business to grow and I want to have staff and yada, yada, yada. And she basically told me, maybe you should get married because then your husband can take care of the business because men are better at these things. It's what men do. And I remember telling her, mom, I don't need a dick to
0: do what I want to do.
1: Yeah, it almost feels like imposter syndrome. You're not comfortable in your own skin.
0: Yeah, because they make you think you're not right in some way. Mm hmm. You mentioned about not being able to speak to boys at all. There are some boys, some men you just shouldn't even bother with. It's true. And uh, Colonel Flynn's one of them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, he should thank his stars that Peggy did not punch him.
0: Uh, Yeah. Big time. Or else he would have been drinking through a straw for about eight months.
1: More than that, I'd say he wouldn't have been awake to drink from a straw. (laughs)
0: And I mean, every woman has met a Colonel Flynn. Every woman has experienced varying degrees of this kind of misogyny, no matter where you go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I had a client once, well, almost client, who it was a fairly large project. And obviously with a large project, the price is a bit higher. And this guy was arguing with me about how much to charge, like how, mu- how much he wants to pay versus how much I'm charging him. And during this negotiation, if you will, he told me that, why are you charging me so much? The only thing it's costing you is your time. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you're not paying for my time. I could get something done within one hour or five hours. That doesn't matter. What you're paying for is my experience. If you think it's just time, please go ahead and do it yourself. Once you have 10, 12 years of experience, then only will you be able to get the project done with the kind of expertise the way I have. Yeah. And that shut him up.
0: Yeah. This attitude persists obviously everywhere today. So Colonel Flynn is not in any way a caricature because this is taking place in 1943. Women only got the right to vote in the U.S. 24 years before this barely a generation. Mm -hmm. And we see this same attitude everywhere today. Somehow in 2021, abortion has become an issue again and is being restricted. And it makes my blood boil, especially still being stuck down here in the hell mouth of Texas. It's beyond abortion, throughout our healthcare system, throughout the criminal justice system, crimes against women are not taken seriously. Don't even get me started on stalking laws in particular.
1: I just read an article in the newspaper today where it said forced sex between a husband and a wife is not illegal. Hence, he shouldn't be in jail. (sighs) They don't even bother to say rape. It's forced sex. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, of course, the entire political system in general, which is how this Abortion nonsense is happening in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, one of my dear friends down here in Texas told me a while back, she's like, You know what, Krista? I'm going to start a business and it's going to be called Rent a White Man. I am going to start (laughs) renting out my husband to women for their doctor's appointments so they can get some goddamn service. That's how rough it can be for women in the healthcare system. She literally has to take her husband, who is about 5'11", good looking white guy, with her, to doctor's appointments, to get them to listen to her. It wasn't until he started going with her and confirming her symptoms, confirming everything that she was saying, that the doctors, both male and female, were taking her seriously.
1: That business would work really well.
0: Yeah, it fucking would. Yeah.
1: Which is awful. And I know that's the problem. Yeah. Yes. She should call me. I could get her, set her up with the branding and stuff and marketing plan.
0: You have a problem. You just can't help yourself.
1: I admit it. And that's the first step. And that's enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I had mentioned this earlier and want to make it really clear. It's not just men who are keeping women down. It's also other women. And that's, it's worse. A lot of the times. And, you know, a league of their own actually does a really good job of pointing this out. When the All American Girls Professional Baseball League was started in 1943, when the men in Major League Baseball went, went off to fight in the war, there were all kinds of women's leagues that were up in arms about the AAG PBL, saying it was going to destroy families and destroy the home front and was leading to the masculinization of women and all this shit. Women have been complicit from the beginning in their own oppression. You know,
1: uh, in The Handmaid's Tale, it's a fantastic show. It's a very heavy show and it delves into a lot of the stuff that we are talking about right now. And one of the key people who was instrumental in turning the United States into Gilead was a woman. hmm and she was so gung ho about how women need to be at home and take care of the family and all of that crap not that that's crap you know what i mean that when things changed to the way she wanted and all these all women's rights were taken away and stripped away it was essentially like the taliban taking over she also lost her rights and Power and all of that to the point where in Gilead, women are not allowed to read. Yeah. And here's the kicker she did read publicly in front of people as a sign of defiance. They cut off her finger, and that was her going relatively scot free because she's the wife of a very prominent party member. Yeah. And she still didn't regret what happened. And the only reason she was having a change of heart was because she had a daughter. Ugh. Yvonne Stravossky plays Serena wonderfully.
0: So another big moment for Peggy that I loved is her marching up to Flynn and saying, you better promote me. Captain has a nice ring to it.
1: Yeah, and that is after proving the fact that she was able to get the Tesseract.
0: Yes, this is a woman not only acknowledging her own worth, but demanding that others recognize it. Yeah. And men have always done this. Men have always demanded respect, whether they deserve it or not. And they are seen as ambitious and go-getters and all kinds of positive attributes. Whereas a woman will often be declared a bitch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And not only is it that men demand respect, they expect it. Yes. It's just understood that they will be respected.
0: Yeah. So this was a great message to me, you know, for women that we must demand what we're due in the workplace because men aren't going to give it to us willingly. History has bared that out time and time again. Yeah, true. And just as she's making some headway here, they have the accident on the train and lose the hydrosomper. And according to the gospel of Colonel Flynn, whose fault is that? Of course, it's Peggy's. Right.
1: You know, in this scene, actually, I want to mention that when they are arguing about the Hydra and she gets a little emotional and walks away, you notice the way she was walking. She's not walking as a dainty lady would. She's walking like someone who is strong and powerful. Yeah. You know, she's got a wide stance. And she's taking large strides. I appreciate the fact that the animation was done in a way to show that. Agreed. Even though she's powerful and muscly and strong, they didn't try to make her more feminine. Because naturally, with a body posture like that and the kind of muscle that she has, and she is a fighter, her walking stance will change.
0: Yeah. You can't be dainty with that body. (laughs) I mean, that's something... That my mother quickly learned when I was about five years old. Trying to put me in ballet, <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, this is something else that CCI has talked about uh, in the stunt world of the fact that language matters. Here, it's overt with Colonel Flynn completely blaming her because he because he's such a m- misogynistic asshole. But it's often a lot more subtle than that, but just as harmful. Where Even just changing the language matters, like Cece said, of when a woman gets injured on a stunt, the response is, she hurt herself. Mm -hmm. How did she get hurt? Would she do? She got herself hurt, whereas the language is different for a man. The blame is not placed upon him.
1: Right. There is an accident, something went wrong.
0: Yeah. Again, double standards. And that is something that
1: happens in a lot of instances we don't even realize it Mm -hmm.
0: it's so ingrained
1: Mm -hmm. and the fact you know the fact that I mentioned the way Peggy walks away for a minute I was uncomfortable with it Mm -hmm. while I watched that because I felt like oh oh people are going to comment on that and then I stopped myself and I said that's not right I shouldn't be thinking that she's comfortable walking this way and that is fine
0: Right. So Peggy and Steve have their nice moment at the bar and we will talk about the dynamics here of their relationship in a little bit. He is fully supportive of her and he's glad that if he couldn't have it, she got the serum because he tells her now the outside matches the inside.
1: Yeah, and I do appreciate how supportive Steve is. And this comment actually made me think about how it could be for someone who is transgender. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in a lot of cases, that is how they feel. The inside, after they've managed to have surgery and hormone replacement, finally, the inside matches the outside and how freeing that could be.
0: Yeah. And this is also Steve acknowledging that Peggy was always a warrior. Yeah. Even before she took the serum. Yeah, she was
1: a strong woman. She was a fighter, maybe... Even though, yes, she physically did fight people, but she also had to fight for her place and her position where she was at that point.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly it. Every woman knows that the most important fights, unless we're talking about you know self-defense, most important fights don't involve throwing punches.. Mm-hmm. But the flip side to this line is, and you know, this just shows what a balancing act being a woman is that Peggy doesn't get that validation for being a fighter until she looks masculine.
1: That's a good point. Another way of thinking of it is also she doesn't get the acknowledgement and the respect that she deserves till she's superhuman. Yeah. As a woman, she has to be extraordinary to be considered equal to a man.
0: Yep. That's exactly it. And now is the perfect time to introduce you all to three women who embrace the power of being wildly inappropriate while making wine come out of your nose. This is Wine, Dine, and Storytime. I'm Nydia. I'm Dana. I'm Cindy. And we're your hosts. Have you ruined a family gathering by asking what wine pairs well with eating a husband? Are you the CEO of
1: TMI? Have you ever been kicked under the table because you brought up your favorite dinner topic, atrocities throughout history? Then this podcast is perfect for you.
0: Each week, Dana and I share stories based on topics that include true crime, historical shenanigans, unexplained mysteries, and all things fascinating while our amateur chef, Cindy, prepares themed
1: dinners and pairs wines based on those topics.
0: Find us, the Wine, Dine, and Storytime
1: podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a follow.
0: So let's talk now about Peggy, Howard, and Steve. The three musketeers. Yes. Yeah, so (laughs) obviously we've just been through it. This episode had a lot of things to say about women, about feminism, but I think it's also got important things to say about masculinity.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Howard and Steve don't feel emasculated having Peggy around, which is fantastic.
0: Yes, they are both super supportive of her and they treat her not as an equal team member. They treat her as the leader because she is.
1: Yeah. And we've seen Howard's attitude towards Peggy, even in Agent Carter, the one shot, as well as the show. His attitude has always been the same and it's not, it hasn't changed because she became a super soldier.
0: Yes. And Howard understands his place. He's the button pusher. He (laughs) takes his orders. Yeah.
1: And he knows that he's very good at it and he's secure in his position, which is important.
0: Yes. And Steve is more than just supportive of Peggy. He's damn proud of her.
1: Yeah, he is. And I find it interesting that in this episode, it's Steve who says, let's hear it for Captain Carter. While in... Captain America, the first Avenger, it's Bucky who says, Let's hear it for Captain America. Captain America. Yeah. And in both cases, Bucky was Steve's biggest cheerleader, whereas Steve here is Peggy's biggest cheerleader.
0: Yep. You feel the love even through a cartoon. Yeah. And they have good chemistry. They do. Which is amazing. (laughs) I gotta say, this guy who (laughs) stepped in for Chris Evans, Josh Keaton, did a really good job. Yeah, he did. And to their credit, also, the halon Commandos don't give a shit what kind of parts Peggy has. All they care is that she's an incredible soldier who saved them. They immediately recognize her as one of them.
1: Yeah, and I really like the fact that when we have the montage of them escaping the prison, it's essentially the same scene of Captain Carter in front and the Howling Commanders behind shooting as we have in the first Avenger with Steve in front with the shield and the others fighting behind. It's exactly the same.
0: Yes, and I loved Dum Dum Dugan so much. Since when do dames fight like that? Since today, understood. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love Neil McDonough. Yeah, he's fantastic. And from another point of view, What I love here is Steve and Howard representing intellect and integrity over brawn. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important as a message today where once again, we're at a point in history where intelligence is being vilified and I'm damn tired of it. Yeah,
1: that's true. You don't need to be a big muscly dude to be considered a man. And that seems to have gotten lost somewhere. Big
0: time. And that's why I think it's so important that we still get Peggy and Steve's love story here. Just like in the first Avenger, she fell for Steve Rogers, not Captain America.
1: Yeah, she liked him even before the transformation. And in this episode, she likes him and loves him. As Steve Rogers, she didn't need him to be Captain America.
0: Yeah, so it was Peggy's walk for you that made you a little uncomfortable, and this is the part that made me a little uncomfortable—not because of anything with the story. The story's fantastic; I love it, but uh, it's the fact that uh, Peggy shames me. In what sense? She's asking me this question, everybody, but she already knows what I'm going to say. She's just having a little fun with this. <laughs> I wish, I wish I could be less superficial than I am—a terrible human being. <laughs> So
1: you're saying you need Captain America, you don't need Steve Rogers.
0: I don't need Captain America, but... She
1: says that so believably.
0: (sighs) Look, you know, (laughs) I feel the need to defend myself, and I don't know if it's going to make me sound better or worse. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Absolutely. What one person attractive another person won't find attractive you know and you know we do get the sense that there is physical attraction here they do try and kiss but Howard just can't help himself there's no way out of this for me I just I feel myself <laughs> shoveling further and just digging more there's no way out of it I have dug myself a hole
1: you know attraction is a funny thing because Everybody knows I'm bisexual so for me it's not about what's in someone's pants it's about the person as a whole and there was this one guy that I that I used to work with a colleague and he was absolutely not my type but he was such a smart guy so thoughtful and intelligent and nice and caring and we could talk about anything under the sun for hours and end and i was attracted to him not because of his physicality but because of the person that he was and it's understandable for peggy to be attracted to steve because steve is a wonderful guy
0: you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i guess everybody's got varying degrees you know and and for me i'll put it this way too when it comes to my husband uh there are some parallels between him uh, and our our three animals in the sense that with some of the shit that he pulls, he better be cute. Because if he wasn't, (laughs) he's going to get punted across the fucking highway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And also think about this. Peggy's working in the US Army. She's surrounded by these macho men who think no end of themselves. So for her to meet Steve who is a decent guy who is kind and loving and has two brain cells to rub against each other must have been uh, like uh, an oasis in the desert.
0: That is true. Yeah. And that's why Steve was chosen for the serum in the first place. Yeah. Okay. So now that I've exposed myself as a shallow hypocrite, (laughs) we know that uh, AC Bradley, uh head writer has said that they are going to revisit Captain Carter's story moving forward and the second season of What If is already in production so uh you got any guesses anything you want to see anything any ideas as to where they could take her story
1: I just want to see more Captain Carter that's all I care about I just want to see more of her that's it can we have a Captain Carter show <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean there's so many possibilities and who knows like will they make it as like her instead of Steve in the original Infinity Saga or will they take one of these other episodes and mesh it with that? I mean it's a cliche to say that possibilities are endless but they really are.
1: Yeah, they are. With Marvel, you really never know what happens. Yeah, who knows?
0: What if we get a show for Captain Carter? We went the whole episode without you doing it. (laughs) God damn it.
1: You knew I had to do it. You knew I had to.
0: Yeah. I mean, with the multiverse open now, anything's possible. So everyone say thank you, Sylvie. (laughs) (laughs) What if Sylvie
1: gets her own episode? I do enjoy my small pleasures.
0: Oh, you walked into that one. I could take that in a lot of directions, Missy. Go right ahead. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So with Captain Carter's story concluded for the moment, there are some people we want to mention this week. T.O. Windham. Now that we know Harvard
1: had a fling with Hedy Lamar let us know what other actresses you think he might have spent a weekend with.
0: At Bex underscore Oscar. Thanks for reaching out and letting us know that women played such an active part in French resistance groups. Now we're hoping for a Captain Carter movie where Haley Atwell teams up with Marion Cotillard.
1: I'm game. I am game. Haley Atwell, anytime, anywhere. That came out wrong.
0: <laughs> I think that came out exactly right.
1: <laughs> Tyler. There will always be sexist tool bags in this world. Thank you for not being one of them.
0: Emma, we really learned our lesson about rumors with WandaVision and we're trying to be good girls, but we will likely fail. So by all means, let us know what you hear.
1: I'm probably going to be the one who will fail. Yes. Just, you know, FYI. Yes. Ed, we agree. Nobody should be hearing about the Tuskegee Airmen or female war heroes for the first time on a TV show representation matters everywhere not just on screen
0: all right thanks to all you madams for joining us today i'm madam chris and i'm a
1: smitten madam amy join us next week for episode two of what if
0: yeah and everybody grab your tissues now because it's the t'challa episode i'm not ready yeah Mm -hmm. for those unaware chadwick boseman's final performance yes So before then if you want to share your thoughts on captain carter with us find us on twitter and instagram at marvelmadams and check out our website
1: themarvelousmadams.com where infinity stones or our girl's best friend
0: all right so there's some people we want to mention this week wait what done we're done oh we're not done Sorry, that was just the end of my recording notes. I'm sorry. (laughs) Wait. I was like, wait, that was quick. Okay.